Um, this is Cooking in Crimes. Today, if you hear some ancillary noise, I am doing a little cooking. Had a very crazy day, uh, new job, was training, like hour-long trainings back-to-back all day. So like, Elizabeth's like, oh, we got to record. And I was like, awesome. Didn't do any prep for dinner. Um, you know, just my whole day, I'm a little behind. So I'm multitasking tonight. But it's fine because I'm really the listener this evening and you not the, the, the talker. Um, although before we get, uh, started, yeah, Julie has a story. I have a story. This just, this is a, I don't know if I'm using the term hot take, right? I don't think I am. Um, <laughs> this is, this is like a new thing. People are saying hot take and I don't think I'm using is it. Right. I've literally never heard yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know what it means. I'll have to ask somebody, but I'm going to okay. use it as like breaking news. Got um, it. so I was at Publix and I actually can't believe we didn't cover this on the phobias episode. But I'm at Publix, I'm shopping, I'm on the phone with a friend, I'm minding my phobias own Phobias episode? You mean the pet peeve? No, we did a phobias episode, didn't we? We did? I've, I had, a long, so. I've had a long day. Maybe we didn't. That's a good subject, if we, we haven't. We should talk about it. Maybe we should. We, we'll look. <laughs> Maybe we didn't do it. I thought we did. Anyways, so I'm getting my groceries, whatever. I'm in the wine aisle, and I'm like I said, I'm on the phone with my friend. There's like one other lady in the aisle with me, and I look down. There's a fucking wasp on my hand. Now, on your like, hand? Yes, just on my hand. Just chilling. What? Don't know where it came from. Don't know how I didn't notice it. Because my hand Wait, was on my... what section of the of Publix were you in? Wine. My, I, my, I'm perusing the wine. I have one hand on my phone on my ear, and I have my <laughs> other hand on my cart. And I'm looking at all the wine and talking to my girlfriend, and then I look down, and there's a wasp on my hand. Was he just catching a ride? I don't know, but I literally went, fuck, so loud in the wine section at Publix. And I Which, shake my hand. Julie lives in a town with a lot of retired old people. Individuals. And I thank God the lady in the wine aisle was cool. But, um, yeah, I do live in a place where a lot of people wouldn't have appreciated that at all. Um, and I maybe, maybe would have even publicly scolded me for saying a curse word in public. But this sweet woman like looks at me and I was like on the phone with my friend and I was like, holy shit. I was like, there was just a wasp just chilling on my hand in Publix. And I'm like looking around like crazy trying to find it. And this lady was like, oh, do a little turn. Let me see if it landed somewhere. Oh like, my God. She was so I love nice. her. Cause I was so afraid. I'm like, is it on my head? Is it on my back? I'm terrified of wasps. Now I understand we need our pollinators. Like I do, but I don't know if wasps we are pollinators. pollinators. I don't know if wasps are pollinators. No I idea. Know. I don't know. I know that we're That's supposed above to save, my pay grade. I know we're supposed to save the bees, but to me, I hate to say this, if all the wasps died, I'd probably be okay. I'm so scared of them. So anyways, that happened to me after a long day of like training at my new job. My brain is fried. And then I had a tra- traumatizing experience at Publix. Has nothing to do with our episode today, but I had to share. No, I appreciate it. But yeah. I'm, now we have a new, if we haven't already covered phobias, I'm excited to cover that. I don't think yeah. we have because there's one in particular that I know I would have honed in on. So Yeah, I don't know. See, that's the thing with my phobias. I don't know if that's one that I would have thought of initially had we done an episode, but like it is one that I have big time. Let's put that on the list. Yeah. So, so anyways, today, um, So today is our monthly true crime episode. So... 
It, it may is. have come late. I don't remember. It Probably may have been, came late. We're I think not it was really supposed good to be last staying week. Staying on a schedule. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> it's. I mean, everything's it's changing. It's yeah. fine. So um, I do want to put out a little disclaimer for anyone listening. Um, if you are sensitive to certain topics when it comes to mental mental health, excuse me, or um, death or suicide, this probably is not the episode to listen to. So this is your this is your warning. Is so this we're gonna... the case that I sent you? No, okay. it's not Ooh. because Ooh. the case that the case Julie sent me a case that I really because there's a subject that I really want to cover, but I really want to do it justice and. To be completely honest, I probably only had about 30 minutes to prep today for this. Oh, okay. So I want to sit down and, and do that one a little bit. Well, I'm um, excited because now I'm surprised. I don't know what yeah. to expect. I do want to put my uh, sources out there really quick because I did rely heavily on Oxygen.com as well as Court Junkie Podcast. Uh, if you haven't listened to Jillian before, she's amazing. So please go check her out. So today we are going to be talking about a very, like, from a true crime, like, basically, if you're a fanatic, which I hate that term when it comes to this, because anytime there's true crime, that means that somebody was injured, killed, like, hurt in some fashion. Yeah, the word um, fan is weird. The word junkie is probably better, but... Yeah. I, but, yeah. Yeah. So, if you're, like, an addict, like I am... Um, <laughs> um, so now you're going to get ads for rehab, like oh, I Oh, you're right. Damn it. <laughs> So this is a pretty delicious case. Um, Yum. Yum. So we're going to start with a little bit of a bio like we normally do. So Conrad Henry Roy III was born in 1995 in, and I'm going to say it wrong a few times, but Mattapoisett, I think that's how you say it, Massachusetts. Um, He was born into a maritime family, obviously the third of his name. Um, So he's a young man in 2012 which is what we're going to fast forward to really quick at the age of 16. so conrad and his dad's family um are traveling to naples florida and just before i'm literally in the middle of recording a podcast episode well what's the emergency you're gonna have to have a guest appearance why i like the guest appearance hey brandon you need more tools i do need more tools. are you requesting funds to go to lowe's no i'm just telling you to go into lowe's okay Okay, brandon's gonna start a patreon Brandon, we need a Patreon to support Brandon's Lowe's addiction. Bye. Have fun. Do you have the money? Do you have the money? You, you need, like, take your wallet. He's been forgetting his wallet a lot recently. He's it's okay. Sometimes I forget Love to turn you. the oven off. That's, that's it's not really an bad. That's no, it's really bad. No, I know. It's really bad. For the past, like, four months, it's been really bad. That was actually a really fun cameo by my husband. He's back. Leaving the garage open. Okay, great. During a true crime episode, he's going to leave the garage open. Just so lock the door. You're fine. It's You've fine. got Murphy. Oh, he wants some shit. So. <laughs> I'm grating so, tree- cheese. I'm distracted. I, <laughs> my guard is down. All she's I have got, is that she's got things to do with her hands. But I do. Just, the cheese grater, though, could be a weapon. Like, it really could if yeah. you really needed to get in there. Yeah. Um, so we just fast forwarded to 2012. Conrad's 16 years old. Um, at this time in 2000, early 2012, his parents are actually in the process of filing a divorce. Mm, um, that sucks. So very, very sad. Conrad and his dad's family uh, travel down to Naples, Florida from Massachusetts to visit an aunt. Um, while in Naples, he actually meets a girl named Michelle Carter. 
Michelle Carter was born in 1996 in Fairhaven, Massachusetts. I just realized what case this is. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm filled with rage, but continue. Yeah, I know. Not so, rage at you, rage at Oh, I know. That you can Michelle. be mad at me if you want. I'd, no, I mean, I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at that bitch, Michelle. We're not in person, so you can't really use the cheese grater on my face at this no, point. No, I can't. <laughs> we'll find her, though. You can use the cheese grater on her. We'll find her. <laughs> so um, he meets a girl named Michelle Carter. She was born in 1996 in Fairhaven, Massachusetts, so she's a little bit younger than him, but not by much. And oh, but they were both born in Massachusetts, but they met in Florida? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they both, coincidentally, since they were both from Massachusetts, they were able to keep in touch from their Naples trips because I guess he went down there to visit his aunt or great aunt or something, and then she went down there to also visit another family member. So um, having both both being from Massachusetts, they kept in touch. So yeah, they were able to like kind of travel and see each other. And they started this relationship that kind of started out as friends, but then it started becoming a little bit more of like a codependency slash romantic relationship. Okay. Um, granted, just keep in mind they're, they're, they're babies. 16, 17 yeah. years they're old. Yeah. They so were just born yesterday. Right. And it's like, text messages, Snapchat, like they're doing all that really cool millennial shit. So their relationship at this point is going on, um, goes on for about two years from there. So Conrad in general, he suffered from mental illness, including anxiety and depression. Um, both of these things caused him to have suicidal thoughts and suicidal tendencies. This of course was heightened in 2012 is what doctors are saying. Um, when Conrad's parents actually got divorced, mm -hmm. which is completely understandable. Yeah. Um, luckily I, I haven't, no joke. yeah, I haven't, I haven't been, um, a child of divorce before, so I'm, I don't know what that's like, but exactly. I, don't know I know a lot of people that have, I mean, Matt, Matt is. Yeah, that's true. I always forget about that. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of emotions there. So, um, I can definitely sympathize with that. So between October, 2012 and July of 2014, Con Conrad actually attempts suicide by various means. Um, some are by overdose, some are by drowning, but regardless, there's an issue there. So on we're going to focus on October of 2012. So on October 7th, um, his mother admitted him to the hospital because he was having suicidal thoughts, claps and snaps to Conrad for actually saying something, yeah, right? seriously. Um, but I will say, I mean, I don't know. We... You may not know or have the information, or nobody might know. Um, I don't like the the fact that with mental health in this country, a lot of times when you are having suicidal thoughts, their uh, solution is go to the hospital. Yes. I mean, yes, props to him for speaking up and getting help, but, like, we all – it's no surprise, secret, or, like, I think we can all agree that there should be other – resources than like any yes. NER bill is ridiculous. Oh, oh for so sure. That sucks, but yes. On, and I think you know, I'm, I'm hoping that the United States is kind of going in that direction, that there we'll will see. be more, more we'll resources. See. There's definitely, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely more awareness around it. I feel like oh, more, people are, it's, more it's, people are talking about it, but it's, it's certainly just... more normalized. I actually had a friend recently, like I'm super open about going to therapy because I love it. And oh my God, I love therapy. You know, I talk so much that I don't know why it would ever surprise anybody that I'm in therapy because I just pay my therapist to listen to me talk. And then she also talks to I think me, your friends would probably pay your therapist to listen to you talk as well yeah, sometimes. Yeah, they would too, 100%. Um, so, um, but I, where was I going with this? Oh, I had a friend that told me 
that me talking so openly about like my experience was actually really helping her um because she was like yeah like you just make it seem so normal and like whatever and you know it's really helped me to hear you like talk about your issues and the fact that like you see a therapist and it's no big deal so, so that's that how has we helped be. that's helped her seek therapy i don't know if she's actively seeking therapy but i think oh i think love that yeah you my mean favorite my sound wife, my wife yeah <laughs> um i do think that she whether or not it's something she maybe has ever considered or like if she's just like struggling like hearing right. me be open about my own struggles makes her feel less alone is like the I vibe that. that I got. And whether she wants to go to therapy or not, it's not for everyone. Um, but it's nice to know that like, it's an option. If you have issues, be open because you don't know who's listening and you could really help someone feel more normal about their own shit. And rant. Yeah. Moving on. So then we're going to focus on October 12th of 2012. So this was the second time that he was admitted into the hospital. Um, and this was actually because I can you, see your hair. Oh, you gotta sorry. start. You gotta start putting that shit up in a top knot when we record. I'm gonna do your, it right now. Your golden locks like to be like, excuse me, excuse me, I have something to say. Hello. Hello. So, I have something to say. <laughs> on the 12th, he was admitted to the hospital because he had actually attempted an overdose. Um, because of these two instances, I mean that's like a week apart. Yeah. So. Well, and because it shows of you how little those ER visits actually help. Right. And they actually put him, after this second trip to the hospital, they put him on three different uh, medications. They put him on Seroquel, Trazodone, and Celexa. Wow. That seems excessive. Yeah. Um, So from here, we are going to rely heavily on um, basically a timeline of text messages between Michelle and Conrad. These start um, July 13th of 2014. So between the time of October 7th and 12th is what we were just at of 2012. Michelle and Conrad are together. He's suffering from some mental illness that's triggered by his parents' divorce that's happening right now. Um, we're fast forwarding to July of 2014. All throughout those that time frame, what is that, like nine months? Yeah. He is continuing to suffer from mental illness, continuing to be tempted by suicide. And he is communicating all of this to mainly to Michelle. Um, Like I said before, it is a codependency, but it's more so he is dependent on her and she is literally just like a complete sociopath and soaking it in and taking advantage of him completely emotionally, everything. So Right now, it's July 13th of 2014. Um, oh no, I'm sorry, July 11th of 2014. So, Conrad and Michelle are texting. And there are times that I might be referring to them by their last name. So, just a quick reminder, Michelle's last name is Carter and Conrad's last name is Roy. Okay. So, July 11th. Carter and Roy are debating what's better to use for a suicide um, inside of Roy's pickup truck, a generator, or a water pump. She says, well, in my opinion, I think you should do the generator because I don't know how much, I don't know much about the pump, and with a generator, you can't fail. July 11th into the early morning hours of July 12th, Roy says, I'm just so sensitive. I want my family to know that there was nothing that they could do. I am entrapped in my own thoughts. 
and Michelle says, I think your parents know you're in a really bad place. I'm not saying they want you to do it, but I honestly feel like they can accept it. They know there's nothing they can do. They've tried helping. Everyone's tried. But there's a point that comes where there isn't anything anyone can do to save you, not even yourself. And you've hit that point. And I think your parents know you've hit that point. You said your mom saw a suicide thing on your computer and she didn't even say anything about it. I think she knows it's in your mind and she's already prepared for it. So she's literally just like pushing him over the edge. Yeah. It's the saddest thing ever. Um, She went on to say, everyone will be sad for a while, but they will get over it and move on. They won't be in depression. I won't let that happen. They know how sad you are and they know that you're doing this to be happy. And I think that they will understand and accept it. They'll always carry you in their hearts. None of those things, whether that's true or not, make it okay to encourage someone to kill themselves. No. And just a reminder, like, she's like, no, I won't let them be sad. Like, bitch, you have only met this kid five times in your entire life in person. what makes you think that you have some power to not let them be sad? I don't know. I, it really sucks, too, because I think there's not enough. Well, not that there's not enough, but there, I think it's sort of going out of fashion to think this way, thank God. But a lot of people would say, like, oh, suicide is so selfish, and, like, why would you do that, and mm-hmm. this and that and the other. Like, no, I would say, like, dying of suicide is like dying, you know, you, you're dying of depression. You know, that's what it is. It takes over it, you know. I know people who have lost friends, family members, and right. you do. What she's saying is not wrong that, like, they will understand. They will know you were in pain. They will know that you felt this was your only way out. That being said, that's not a reason to do it or to convince someone to do it. You right. Know? And it's not like, and that it's just all of the text messages that she sends. Like if you haven't already kind of gotten the gist just from those two, like she's legit. Well, she's just it about her. She's poking the bear. Yeah. She's, she's manipulative and just poking the bear. So any he person then, in their right mind would immediately call his parents. Oh, 100%. He then call he, he then goes, um, he basically starts like expressing doubts and he's like, I don't know, babe, like I'm freaking out. I think I'm overthinking this. And he's talking about like overthinking and freaking out about taking his own life. Um, he asks her to please be there for his family, which like, bitch, you don't know his family. Um, yeah. Carter then texts back. She says, I thought you wanted to do this. Well, this is after he's freaking out. And he's like, I think I'm overthinking it. She said, I thought you wanted to do this. The time is right and you're ready. You just need to do it. You can't keep living this way. You just need to do it like you did last time and not think about it and just do it, babe. You can't keep doing this every day. So then he goes on and he's like, I don't know. Like, I'm really nervous, like, about how my family's going to react. Like, I really don't want them to be upset. And... She is literally a devil. And she goes, Conrad period. I told you I'll take care of them. Everyone will take care of them to make sure they won't be alone and people will help them get through it. And I want to just point out, she spelled through T-H-R-U. We talked about this. They will be okay and accept it. People who commit suicide don't think this much and they just do it. So she's literally just like, stop, stop thinking about. Like he clearly didn't really want to do it. Right. Like Like he had doubt. And they, they do say too, like people that are survivors of suicide usually say that the first thing they think is regret. <sighs> the minute they act, they regret. And then they're so thankful they survived. Not that but that makes... should make you empathize any less with individuals who do lose their lives to suicide because like it's, 
it's a very it's, complicated and and touchy subject. Um, I mean, nobody in their right mind would do that. So like, it's not selfish in my. I just I don't see it as being selfish. I see it as that person was literally in so much pain that they saw that as their only way out, and that that's horribly sad for that person. And you should empathize with them. You know. It makes me wonder what his reactions were from the October 2012 situation because there's not a whole lot behind that to say yeah like I wonder if there were there was any like like when he went to the ER if he met with like a psychologist or a therapist or a psychiatrist like I wonder if there was any notes saying like yeah I regretted doing it Maybe you know what I mean in that moment but then maybe over time his depression relapsed and you forget you forget that you felt relief that it's it like the work. grass is greener, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So now it's July twelfth. It's nine o three a.m. She says, "Are you awake?" He like replies with a thumbs up, and she says, "Are you gonna do it today?" And he says, "Um." And he says yes. So this is when they're going to start discussing about, like, what time to do it would be good and, like, the details. So now it's 9.45 a.m. Uh, Conrad just keeps complaining, basically, how, like, miserable he is about the situation and his doubts about actually going through with it. He texted her, I don't know. I don't know why I'm like this. Like, he keeps going back and forth. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, something's... Some, sorry, sorry. She says, sometimes things happen and we never have the answers why. And he said that he was hesitant. And then she says, you're so hesitant because you keep overthinking it and pushing it off. You just need to do it, Conrad. The more you push it off, the more it will eat you. And he says, you're right. And then she responds, if you want it as bad as you say you do, it, the time to do it is today. Like, don't, like, what? Don't. Yeah, none of this makes any sense to me. Like, like none of it. He thanks her for being there for him. Like, this poor kid. Like, he's so manipulated. She responds, I would never leave you. You're the love of my life, my boyfriend. You're my heart. I'd never leave you. Mm -hmm. Um, At some point that day, Conrad tells her that he would do it eventually. Um, (laughs) He says... I really don't know what I'm waiting for, but I have everything lined up. She said, no, you're not, Conrad. Last night was it. You keep pushing it off and you say you'll do it, but you never do. It's always going to be that way if you don't take action. You're just making it harder on yourself by pushing it off. You just have to do it. And then she sends like a, like, like seven text messages in a row. She says, and you can say you'll do it tomorrow, but you probably won't. Next text message. You just need to do it, Conrad, or I'm going to get you help. Next text message. Threatening him with getting him help? Yeah. Next text message. You can't keep doing this every day. And then he says that basically he's like, okay, I'll do it. Like he says, and then she goes, do you promise? And he says, yes. And she said, and you can't break a promise and just go in a, exactly. (laughs) And then another text message and just go in a quiet parking lot or something. Are you fucking kidding me? So at this point, it's 5 p.m. Um, Carter texts him and says, are you going to do it now? <laughs> like. She's absolutely insane. He goes, 
he, he, he tells her that he's stressing out and he's nervous about it. And she goes, you're fine. It's going to be okay. You just got to do it, babe. You can't think about it. 6.19 p.m. She says, are you going to do it now? <laughs> he says that he's leaving his house. 6.28 p.m. He calls Michelle and they spoke for almost 43 minutes. 7.12 p.m. According to call logs, they spoke for another 47 minutes. Uh, and then that was the last phone call that Conrad Roy ever made. So Carter would later text a friend and tell her that Conrad had told her he had doubts and was getting out of the car, but that she had actually told him to get back in the car. She told a friend this? Texted a friend that. Wow. Can you hear Copper? Yeah, I can hear him. So... Again, she texted a friend and basically told them that she told him to get back in the car. <laughs> so, um, at this point, let me see. On July 13th, Roy's body was found inside of his truck at a Kmart parking lot. And after his death, um, his mom actually got the call that they had found his body um, while she was driving. So oh that was pretty traumatizing. Yeah. By the time the coroner's office had gotten there, there was already rigor mortis happening in his mm -hmm. body. So um, it was definitely not a, a, an okay scene to walk up to. Um, no. That evening and then the days following, Michelle was texting Conrad's mom, Lynn, Oh and, like, God. other loved ones, like, condolences. She basically is like, stay close. Like, if you need something, let me know. Please let me know if I need to come in town. Like, you're, you guys are in my thoughts and my prayers. She was like, if you need me to come in and um, comfort you all, I can. I'm sorry, what is a 14-year-old, sorry, 16-year-old girl going to do to comfort you? Literally nothing. Like, you're you don't know her. Yeah. Her. Yeah. So then Michelle goes on and actually coordinates a fundraising baseball event because Conrad used to play baseball. She's so an she, actual sociopath. She literally yeah. just did this so people would feel bad for her. Oh, 100%. So she coordinates a fundraising baseball event in Conrad's memory. She calls it Homers for Conrad, which doesn't even rhyme. Um, and she says that the um, proceeds are going to a Suicide Prevention Awareness Foundation that she found. I couldn't find any information on which one. Do you think she took the money? Um, I mean, probably not now, but, like, it makes me wonder what her intentions were other than just getting attention. Yeah, well, that is totally what the primary um, intention was, without a doubt. Yeah. So there was a very – it was a tumultuous trial. Um, Carter was eventually convicted of involuntary manslaughter and was sentenced to two and a half years prison time. That's on it? August yes, on August third, twenty seventeen, she was ordered to begin serving her fifteen month sentence in February of um, twenty eighteen, after the state supreme court refused to overturn the conviction. What was the what was her defense? That it was like how I mean how far can you push 
freedom of speech. No, that's what they used? I mean, it had to be one part one part of it. I honestly I was don't know so... if freedom of speech works in that particular Well, that's why this is such a controversial controversial case. I mean, there's so many different sides of it cuz it's like she didn't physically pick up a gun. She didn't she wasn't there. She was texting him. But so that's why it was considered involuntary manslaughter. Well, but I wonder well, okay, so my question about the defense was I'm wondering if her attorney tried to say that, like, you know, she really thought she was helping him. I don't know what – I don't know enough about the I case think she did. I To be honest, I didn't really go into much research around the trial. That's, yeah. Um, and I do want to. I want to do a little bit more research. I might turn this into a two-parter eventually yeah. um, and, and cover the trial portion of it and just cover, like – her from a like bird's eye view because if you have seen if, if anyone has seen um i love you now die the documentary on so hbo i think i did watch that and then there's another one on no or on um hulu too that i forget what it's called like the the devils it, de- it refers to her as a devil that's all i remember i mean essentially so if anyone has seen that you see the different like basically facades right that she puts on these different like phases that she goes through from a like how she presents herself in court um it's it's absolutely crazy so I didn't really cover a lot of that because honestly by the time I got through just the text messages and all the different research that I did around that portion of it I was so pissed off that I was like I don't even care like yeah so, essentially, she got 15 months present, uh, prison sentence, um, and she was actually just released from prison on probation in January of this year. Maybe she's COVID. <laughs> yeah. Let's be honest. So, so, at the age of 23, she was released from prison on probation in January of 2020. Her oh, she's probation. 23. She's 23 now, yeah, because oh. she was 16 when she met him. She was probably 18 when he died because it was two years that they were together. And then the trial probably took a year, so that gets that gets you to the end of 2019 or end of 2018, right? Yeah. And then she was convicted for 15 months, so yeah. Wow. So um, her probation was for two years and – or sorry, her probation will be for two years, so – she will be a 100% free woman on August 1st of 2022. And there's a lot of, um, like, some media presence and lots of different, like, blogs of, like, oh, will she, won't she on, like, was she going to cash in on this? Is she going to pull an OJ and write a book? Is she going to, you know what I mean? I'm sure she will, 100%. Yeah. So, but the thing is, is that there's no law in Massachusetts stating that she can't cash in from the incident. So come August 1st, 2022, I'm sure she's going to have a fucking ghostwriter. Bitch is going to be on Dateline. Like, she's going to be all up in that Nancy Grace shit. Yeah, like, she'll totally, yeah. She's going to make bank doubt. on this, and it's really fucking frustrating. Yeah. So, yeah. That's the case. The really, really, really sad story of Conrad Roy. Or his, do you know if his family's still seeking justice for him, like, and going for like retrial or anything or um well she had she filed the appeal and apparently she was a quote-unquote model 
um, prisoner inmate or inmate yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know much about, let's see, Conrad Roy's family now. I just feel like in cases like this a lot, like in the Amanda Knox case, um, the parents of the woman that got murdered, they like went after her again. Although I think Amanda Knox is innocent. Um, I don't think she did anything. Do you really? Yeah, I don't think she did it. Um, I think that it's a little bit harsh to criticize her for people say like her reaction was sorry that's my kitchen timer it's okay. um people said her reaction was inappropriate like the um you know the police came and they were inspecting the house whatever and she was outside like snuggling up to her bow and they said it was creepy and weird and like i'm not saying it's not a weird reaction but she was also like literally 19 years old like I don't know. I just think you, some people just don't have the like emotional intelligence to know it's appropriate. It doesn't mean you killed someone. So that's my criticism of that. But I don't know. I don't think Amanda Knox did it or had anything to do with it personally. Julie, did you take any Adderall today? Mm, early, early this morning. Why? Okay. Why? <laughs> <laughs> we went from has Conrad Roy's family spoken out to, I don't think Amanda Knox did it. <laughs> Why did I say that? I don't even. Remember. I don't know. That's but, not the Adderall. That's the mental exhaustion from my long day of training talking. The Roy's family said that they were quote disappointed that uh, she was granted an early release. So they said quote the Su- U.S. Supreme Court decision not to hear the appeal and her release today brings closure. It's been a painfully long six years, and we are ready to move on. While we are disappointed that she was not required to serve her full sentence, it doesn't change that Conrad is forever gone. We will continue to remember him and honor him. We will also continue to raise awareness for suicide prevention in the hopes that no other family has to face this kind of pain. So, so they were mad that it even got brought up again. They just wanted to be done with it. Is what it they're kind like. of. I think they're just kind of like, let's move on. Yeah. Because they say, I mean, they say divorce is, a, is you grieve. I mean, you do grieve because it is a loss of a relationship. Yeah, and it's a totally. huge part of your family. So there's grievances that are there. And then they go through this a couple years later, the loss of their son. It's a lot. It's just. And I, I it sounds imagine. as if, I mean, not that it makes it any easier. I'm not saying that at all, but. His struggle with depression was chronic, you know? So this was, it's kind of like losing any family member to a terminal or chronic yes. illness. Like yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's some, and you and I both know what that's like because we've both been through it, which is why we can speak on it because otherwise I wouldn't be saying this. But right. there is an element of relief when you lose a family member to something that you've seen them struggle with for so long. And right. it's a weird feeling because you're like, oh my God, how, why am I feeling relief? But you and I have both been through that Um because you just are happy not to see that person in pain anymore, even though it hurts you that they're gone. So yeah. I could see why they didn't want to drag it, dredge it back up again. You know, they just right. wanted to be, you know, let's just keep going with our lives. And it's like, I've never been involved in a case that's got such a spotlight on it. Like this one does. Cause it was, I mean, it's so close to Boston. It was, this was like such a high profile case for so long. And it's like, that, that's now what they're known for. You know what I mean? Oh, this really? Family, oh, I'm sure. This family is now... Oh, like, his, this family. I thought you meant Boston. I was like, that's Oh, intense. no, no, no. Yeah. Sorry, no. <laughs> there's many other things in Boston. Yeah, there's lots of things in <laughs> no. Boston. Um, but, I mean, this is what the, that family is known for now. So it's like you can't really think of 
that family's name without thinking of this incident. You can't, like, there's just, there's a lot of ties to it and it's very unfortunate. And, um, I'm also disappointed that she didn't serve a longer sentence. Um, but I think that there will be some karma or some, uh, greater power. She'll get her justice when it's, when it's her time to get her justice. That's the thing. Like, I mean, it's not, I feel like we do our best to try to get justice on this earth, but like ultimately everyone's ultimate judgment day comes, you know, Yeah. if you believe in that. And so, yeah, it'll, she'll, she'll get it. You know, it just maybe wasn't on earth. It's a coming. It's a coming. It's a a coming, bitch. Yeah. Watch out. So, um, whoever has her address, let us know. Julie's going to go over there with a cheese grater. I'll send her a bag of dicks. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a very mild response, but still. Um, Julie, what is, what is Brandon getting at Lowe's? He just said he needs tools. I don't know. (laughs) I don't ask questions anymore. I was just like, okay. He looked really excited to go. Well, he, well, he loves Lowe's, but, um, He's trying to put, he's got a fishing tournament on Sunday and he's trying to fit uh, something new on the boat, some new thing. I don't know. He, you know, he's being Florida man. He has two friends over. They're helping him install it. So they all went to Lowe's with him? Uh, I think just the one friend went to Lowe's with him. The other friend's not here. It's really his cousin and his friend, Chase. You know Chase. Love Chase. I knew they were in You have have to delete that. Fucking shit. I will. I'll delete it. Guys, I, like you said, I'm just revealing my location slowly, week after week. It's fine. Um, but yeah, that's what they're doing, so. Anyways. All right, well, I'm going to go prep dinner because um, I can hear Matt getting hungry outside yeah. my door. You're like, I can feel the mood. Yeah, it's like a hangry mood. I also heard Copper sit on the door. You know how the dogs sit on the yeah. door and then they and just slide the their, yeah. they slide their tush down to uh-huh. the floor. Totally. So that means Copper's waiting on dinner and Matt's waiting on dinner. All right. Well, hopefully I can still eat after hearing about this human. Yeah. If you get scared, call me. Um, Yeah. Or maybe don't because I might, maybe don't because I might try to talk you into killing yourself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. It's not funny. I'm not laughing at the situation. I just, she's a piece of shit. She drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, follow us on the, the gram, the Twitter, and send us stories to our email. Apparently, we don't have any, so y'all be slacking. I think 2020 is getting the best of everyone right now. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, um, and this is our weekly. Um, we're gonna start. We're gonna start this weekly. Go vote. Go register. If you're not registered, go did register. You, did you take an Adderall today? No. Oh, we're starting a weekly go register, or were you going to say you were starting a weekly full length? No, 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 no. We're starting a weekly call to action. Okay. <laughs> if you're not registered, go register. Once you're registered, go vote. And November vote for 3rd. Whoever you want. Yeah, I don't care who you vote for. I just, just want you to vote. vote. Yeah, same. Same. Bitch, it's a right. All right, cheers. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>